This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Metcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode eight. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Abby Medcalf. So excited you're back for another episode and I'm really excited about this one today. Okay, I know I might say that every week, but I really am excited. Um, anyone who knows me knows, let me just say this up front, that I love research. I love, you know, reading things, checking them out, reading on the reading on the reading, looking, digging down deep into the research. You know, I'm the one who links on all those hyperlinks or I'm reading the book and I go in the back and I look at all the footnotes. That's me. That's I'm that girl. I go into there and then I look up those books and I read those books or articles. I'm a nut with this stuff. So this episode is all about fubbing. And this is about not fubbing because it's killing your relationship. So you want to listen in today. If you ever, ever use your cell phone, how do you like that? If you ever use your smartphone, today's episode is for you. Ha ha. So everyone should not turn this off. Everyone should be listening. So if you're in a relationship, it's almost a sure thing that you've fubbed or been fubbed. Fubbing is ignoring someone in favor of your phone. Now, whether that's intentional or not, it's more detrimental to your relationship than you think. And I'm going to give you all the research today, but I'm also going to tell you what to do. I, you know, it's always, you know me, right? I hate when all I get is the research and then no one says, well, now what? So what can I do to stop fubbing is going to be the second part of this broadcast today. And I'm going to give you my top seven ways to stop fubbing. How do you like that? All right. So in recent years, there's been a pretty good amount of research on fubbing. It's been found to decrease 
marital satisfaction overall. There's again, oh, and in the show notes, I'll definitely have links to uh, a lot of the research. I'm not going to go into each and everything and name every place I get something from, but it'll definitely be in the show notes. So if you want to go look yourself, if you're a me and want to go check out those links and look at the articles um, and the research, please do. So it'll be there for you. Now, so definitely though, it's been found to decrease marital satisfaction. So you just have to take my word for it as I speak. And then later you can go look. It's effect. It, now, here's what's interesting. It affects each partner's feelings, including how depressed they are and their overall satisfaction with the relationship and with life. I like that, with life. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Our happiness, our sense of um, you know wonderfulness in the world is very much related to our sense of happiness in our relationships. So when our relationships suck, our life feels like it sucks. And that's why this this research is obvious that when you feel like your partner's fubbing you and you feel like the marital, you're feeling maritally dissatisfied in some way, that the rest of your life you overall feel more depressed and less satisfied with life. That just goes together. It makes perfect sense to me, but in case it didn't to you, I'm connecting the dots. Okay. So now, uh, uh, Emma Seppala, she's a psychologist at Stanford and Yale University. She wrote a book uh, called The Happiness Track. She's, you know, one of those brilliant French women who <laughs> is, a, is a director of everything. Um, she she says i'm going to i'm going to um quote her directly because I, I like what she said. She said, ironically, fubbing is meant to connect you, presumably with someone through social media or texting, right? But it actually can severely disrupt your present moment in-person relationships. That's the thing about it. I she just said it better than I could say it. That that's the irony of the whole thing. Here you are, all you want is these connected together relationships, but you end up on the phone and you disconnect with the person in front of you as you're trying to connect to somebody else. It, it makes no sense, right? When, you, when I say it out loud like that, it seems kind of obvious, doesn't it? Um, but I'm going to go into the why. You know, why do we do it? So it is obvious, but why do we do it? And here's the deal. You know, we're built as a species to be extremely attuned to others, especially our partners. So when we think that someone, especially our partner, isn't giving us their full attention, we feel disregarded, unheard, and disrespected. When you're on the phone, it means you're prioritizing something or someone else over your partner. End of story. You can think whatever you want. Oh, I have to take this call, or I got to answer this text, or it just took me a minute. But you are in that moment prioritizing something or someone else over your partner if you're talking to your partner and you do that. Your partner is arguably your most important relationship. So what the heck are you doing? And are you sure you want to send this message? You are sending a message when you do this every single time. And I know because folks, when, you know, couples come into the office quite a bit, they're talking about this problem and how much he or she is on their phone and the partner is feeling disregarded, again, disrespected in some way. It's not a good setup. It really isn't. But we're with these people all the time. So the, you know, the other partner, the partner who's fubbing is going, well, I can never be on my phone then when I'm with them. Well, of course, that's not what it means. Don't go to the nevers and the always. If you listen to another podcast I did on uh, noticing your language, uh, I think that was podcast seven. You have to look it up. Notice your language. You'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Don't do the always and never crap. Just just get off of that. But you can think about oh, when I'm talking to my partner, you know, I really shouldn't allow the phone to be a part of that. Or 
I should say to them, set it up in some way, letting them know, hey, I'm expecting a call from work. I know we're doing X or Y, but I'm just letting you know I'm going to have to take that call when it comes, but then I'm all yours, something like that. But, I, but we'll get into more of that with the tips later. So research shows that when people have a conversation without their smartphone around, and this is regardless of age, ethnicity, gender, or their what's called their starting mood, you know, are they in a bad mood or, or a good mood when, when the testing is done? It doesn't matter. Research has shown that when people have a conversation without their smartphone around, they feel more connected, report better, more productive conversations, and are much happier. So at the end of the day, we feel more empathy and connection when our smartphones are put away. And in fact, studies have shown that just having a phone out during a conversation, so just having a phone sitting on the table next to you while you're talking to someone interferes with your sense of connection to the other person, the feelings of closeness you experience, and the quality of the conversation. Kind of crazy, right? When I ask couples about how they first met, you know, so I'll say to them, when you first met, you know, tell me how it was. And they often tell me how they stayed up all night talking, or they'll say things like, oh yeah, we used to talk for hours. We go on a date and we would just chat all night. It's in these moments that we connect. That's why we remember them. Don't you remember being up till the sun came up on the phone with somebody? Or this is, I'm really aging myself because the younger people listening are thinking, I never did that. Um, Or maybe you were just, but in person, it would have to be a true on the phone or in-person conversation that I'm talking about. But when you're first dating, when you're first, first dating, you're talking to the person, you're getting to know them. And it's in these moments that we learn about our partners. We connect, we share our vulnerabilities, we hear the tone of their voice, we have eye contact, we sense their body language. All of these pieces form the foundation of our relationships. If you want to have a close, trusting, intimate relationship with your partner, you got to have good face-to-face conversations and interactions. I I think it seems obvious, but these days it seems less obvious with, again, how much people will connect via their phones. And I do know it happens a lot where um, I'll be talking to a client, and a younger client, so say in her 20s, let's say, and she'll say, yeah, I was talking to this guy, and we talked all night the other day, or we talked all day, we talk all day long. And, I, and when I ask more questions, re- what she's saying is that actually they didn't talk, they never talked on the phone, they never picked up the phone. <laughs> what they did was they texted at different times during the day and checked in that way. But what happens is, you know, texting has so many, so much room to, uh, first of all, not connect. It's such a quick hit. It's such a quick thing. But also, you can't really get people's, all the things I just said, their tone, their body language, you know, the essence, their, um, just the way someone's speaking. And that's why there's so many miscommunications by texting. I, I have a blog post about how if you're texting anything that needs an emoji, you shouldn't text it. If, <laughs> if you need an emoji to make your point clear, or you have to point out that something's a joke, or you have to say you know, what it is, don't text it. Texting to me really should only be used for logistics. You know, hey, uh, bring home butter on your way home from work. You know, hey, don't, uh, don't forget to stop and pick up Kyle at soccer practice at five or, you know, where are we going tonight for dinner? What time should we meet? Those things are logistics and those are fine. But as soon as it starts getting into more, I just have person after person, couple after couple complaining that they've 
that they've had fights over texting, they've had miscommunications, misunderstandings. I, I can't say enough how much this is not truly, truly intimately communicating. It's really not. It's fine to send some, um, I will say this, you know, in the middle of the day, if you want to send some hearts or love, you know, just say, hey, I was thinking about you. That's fine. Don't make that the only way you say it. If the only time you ever say I love you is on text, that's a problem. But if, you know, if you just want to check in and give a little quick, quick hit of I love you, totally fine. I'm talking about when couples, you know, have all their conversations this way. And again, the happy ones are pretty fine. It's the, you know, disturbing ones where, again, and where we start to fight and get into problems, that's where it should not be by text. And if you've ever fought with anybody by text, whoever that person is, don't text them again. (laughs) You know, really think through the next time you're thinking of texting that, oh, this, you know, when I text my sister, we tend to get into arguments. Then maybe I'll stop that and I'll only text logistics. So just think about it. Now, I also want to say that there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to all this. When I talk about people having close, intimate relationships, people confuse this with sex. Sex and intimacy are not necessarily the same thing, do not necessarily go together. Sometimes they do. I hope for you it does. But when I talk about intimacy, truly, it's emotional closeness. And sex is not where you learn to be intimate with your partner. If you have a close, intimate sex life, it's because you have a close, intimate emotional life. You have the emotional life first, and that's how that connects. So I know a lot of times when I'm throwing around that word intimacy, people get a little um, confused or they they just really don't understand exactly what I'm talking about. So I I just want to be clear about where sex fits in. And uh, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You know, men tend to like to have sex to feel close, and women want to feel close first to want to have sex. That's pretty common. And again, I don't know how these heterosexual relationships ever work half the time. But I can tell you, and definitely from my own relationship, our our sex is great because we have a great emotional connection, and that translates into wanting to have sex more, into really enjoying that part of our lives more, all of that. Um, that's how that connects. And whenever we're disconnected and not doing well, uh, it is not a time when either of us actually wants to have sex. It's it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't feel great. It's just not a great way to connect. So, uh, and again, if a good connection's there, it's a great way to deepen the connection. So, just just want to go there. Okay. Let me get back to the research though, and about fubbing. So, uh, Sherry Turkle, who I've talked about before, she has the oh, this one of my favorite books called Alone Together. She's an MIT sociologist. And uh, she's been studying the impact of technology on how we behave, you know, alone and in groups for uh, about 20 years now. And her research shows that, get this number, 89% of Americans say that during their last social interaction, they took out a phone, despite the fact that 82% said it deteriorated the conversation they were in. (laughs) Basically, we're doing something that we know is hurting our interactions, but we do it anyway. So in Turkle's studies, she found that if you put a cell phone into a social interaction, it does two things, okay? First, it decreases the quality of what you talk about. Now, think about that. It makes sense, right? Because you talk about things where you wouldn't mind being interrupted. If, if the cell phone is out and around, 
it's because of that. You don't have it out and around during your wedding vows. If you're upright in front of the, the rabbi or the priest or whoever, you don't have a phone out because you're not distracted. It's this very intimate, connected moment. Um, in the middle of sex, hopefully you don't have a phone out. Again, it should be a very intimate, connected moment. This is not a time to be distracted. So if you have the phone out in any way, it means you're okay being interrupted. Second, um, the second reason it does this is because it decreases the empathic connection that people feel towards each other. So they end up more disconnected and feeling that the conversation wasn't very satisfying. So again, and I mentioned it before, just having the phone out as soon as you in any way put a cell phone into the social interaction. So that can mean that it's just sitting on the table. It can mean that you're actually using it. You're just holding it in your hand in any way. Um, it's decreasing your quality. And Using a smartphone in social interactions doesn't just hurt the relationship, it also devalues your own experience. So one study found that people who used their smartphone while they were dining out, while they were eating out with friends, experienced less interest and enjoyment and more boredom than people who didn't. I like that. So just having the phone out. Now, people, again, think this is what's, everything's so counterintuitive. So a lot of times people take out the phone because they think they're bored. And, but the problem is that if you really can't just sit there and have a conversation, then there's a problem. <laughs> then your, your level of what you need, you know, having to have this kind of high level of interaction, that's the problem because that's just not how relationships work. So you end up feeling more depressed in your relationship and less satisfied because there's not this super high level of back and forth and interaction and being stimulated and all that because that's not how people work. But it is how a cell phone works. It is how a video game works. It is how porn works. It is how a lot of stuff works. So you end up thinking that's how real life is supposed to work. And you end up desensitized when you're in a relationship or in a real thing into somehow mistakenly thinking that's how it's supposed to be. So the, just a problem right there. Now, if all that's not enough, studies have also shown that fubbing hurts your mental health, your own mental health. It's been found to threaten the four, what's called the fundamental needs. And the four fundamental needs are, uh, or four of the fundamental needs are self-esteem, having a meaningful existence, feeling like you have control, and belongingness. And what happens is the act of fubbing causes people to feel excluded, uh, diminished in some way. You know, I'm not that important. Someone's using their phone, not just me. And they feel ostracized. They, all those things happen when a phone is out. Because again, there's just this message that there's something else important that's vying for my attention with you. And at any given time, it might take over and become more important than you in this conversation. Now, Again, I get people complain to me. They say, well, oh, come on. Are people that sensitive? Are they that upset? Yeah. I'm annoyed when uh, the phone comes out because, and then people get lost in the phone. They sort of forget for a minute. And this is because of the way phones are wired to work, which I'll get into in a minute. But uh, you are too. Like I said, it doesn't just affect the person you're, you're fubbing. It affects you yourself. You're less, think about it, you're less connected. If you have your phone out and you're answering things and doing that, you're not really allowing yourself a full connection, a full, true, intimate moment with whoever it is that you're talking to, be that your partner or someone else. Um, God forbid your kids. It's so distracting around your children and your children really want your attention. So 
you know, and I don't know, what I'm seeing is that as a race, we seem to be in complete denial when it comes to our phones. Although we see the damage when others fub us, we still do it ourselves. We keep checking our phones because even though we know it's bad on some level, it's it's very difficult to stop this kind of behavior. It's a compulsive behavior. And you have to remember that. So the reason that you check your phone, your email, your social media accounts, it's because it provides you with something that researchers call variable ratio reinforcement. You can look this up. But basically what this means is that what happens is that once in a while, you get an email, an alert, or a message, or something that's particularly rewarding. Something comes in that's particularly rewarding, and that once in a while, that variable uh, ratio reinforcement, that once in a while is enough to keep you checking compulsively the rest of the time. So uh, the other thing that works like this are slot machines. They have a variable ratio reward system. That's that's why they're so successful and why they're played more than anything um, in gambling places, because that that is exactly what people want. That sort of most of the time I get something or some of the time I get something, whatever it is, that kind of intermittent reinforcement is the strongest one to keep us coming back. Um, the evil genius of Chuck E. Cheese is based on this too, you know, all that, you know, the kids play these games and they get these little tickets, right? And most of the time, you know, for the kids, most of the time they get tickets. And you got to remember that those tickets, if you've ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese, um, you play games, you get these little tickets that come out of the game when you quote unquote win the game or, or sometimes just even play the game. And then you take these tickets up to a counter where they have all these prizes. And so if you have, you know, a hundred tickets, there's certain prizes you can get for a hundred tickets. And it's so sad because you can literally have like a thousand tickets and you'll get like a Tootsie Roll. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's probably a little better than that, but it's not much. Um, and I, as the parent, I'm thinking, I spent like 60 bucks for my kid to get a, you know, a, a small stuffed animal really is what it ends up being or something like that. And it's sort of funny when you look at it that way and they got to take into account because they're having all this fun for an, a couple hours. So I look at it that way, not, not the gift, not the toy or whatever the prize, but, um, but that has that same idea that you play something and you get something. It doesn't have to be every time, but you know, enough. And that, so even though at the end, you know, if I'm doing the slot machines, I might only get a dollar or something or $2, but it doesn't really matter how much, just like at Chuck E. Cheese, it doesn't quite matter how much. <laughs> so according to, this is one of my favorite pieces of the research. So yeah, you got to consider this. According to research by Wilhelm Hoffman, he's from Chicago University, the urge to check social media, get this, is stronger than the urge for sex. He's got research on this people. That's real. Yeah. That's how strong that is. We are profoundly, profoundly social creatures. Having connection and a sense of belonging are crucial. They're so big for our health and happiness. So research has actually shown that lacking these connections or what we would call loneliness, right, can be worse for your health than smoking, high blood pressure, and obesity. Yeah, let that sink in for just a minute. 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And this is why we screw up. We look for connection on social media at the cost of these face-to-face opportunities for true intimacy. Ironically, using our smartphones tricks us into thinking we're connected when really we're sacrificing true, close, and connected relationships with the people right in front of us. And this happens uh, everywhere. And Turkle, Shelley Turkle, and I really, I, again, highly recommend her book, Alone Together. It's so good. It's part of a trilogy. You don't have to read them all, though. But And she is from MIT, so I have to tell you, she's super smart. So it did take me a minute to get through this book, but she's so great. Um, and again, her research is so robust and so clear. But one of the things she points out that I found really incredible, she said, you know, places that used to be uh, social hubs, so waiting at a bus stop, um, train stations, libraries, any of the places that used to be kind of social hubs are no longer because people are not talking to each other. And it's interesting, you know, when I drive my kids to school in the morning, we often drive by this one um, bus stop and it's sort of a, uh, it's in front of this apartment building. It's kind of, people are all standing in a line, like all, uh, you know, facing the road. And so, you know, you drive by and you're watching like 15 people lined up. And of those 15, it's invariably 14 or 15 of them. So 99.9% of them, if not hundred percent are all staring at a phone. That's what all of them are doing as they stand there. Every now and then you'll catch someone, maybe with an actual book, a real book, that's true, still kind of isolating. Um, but And every now and then maybe someone's just sitting there eating for a minute and not doing something else. That's kind of rare. Even usually when they're eating, they're looking at their phone. But every single one of them staring down at their phone. No one is talking to each other. These are people who see each other daily, who probably stand next to each other daily. You know, they tend to get to the bus stop at the same time. That's what happens. And I know when I was growing up, and waiting at any kind of bus stop where I was there at the same time every day. You'd see people you knew, you'd learn their name, you'd talk to them. This is a different thing. It becomes very social and you become good at being social. It's a skill like anything else. Learning to just sort of talk to people in a casual way, learning to you know, not invest necessarily so much. And sometimes I talk to people who, uh, younger people who are trying to ask someone out or, you know, be social in other ways, and they look to alcohol so much more. And I'm not saying people didn't drink in my day. God knows they did and do. But even more, it's like with the, the idea of having something without alcohol is just like they can't do it because their anxiety is getting so high around having real social interactions and just sitting around talking to people. And the same thing, you'll see them at these parties. I've, you know, picked people up and I've looked and they're all on their phones. They're all sitting there looking at a phone and not talking to each other. Now, sometimes, of course, what's happening is they're talking about something that's on the phone. So they're all kind of sharing an experience on the phone. It's a little different, but it's it's disconcerting to a degree how much they've become so much a part of our lives in such a short period of time. And I'm not here to bash phone. I love my smartphone. I always get a new one. I was I had an Apple. I had the iPhone when it first came out. 
And I love that thing. And I switched to that right away. I, you know, wanted it so bad. I love it. And I think it's just, uh, I had someone say to me, this is the single greatest invention ever. And I thought, it kind of is. I mean, it really changed my life. It was a game changer, right? As everybody knows, when smartphones are so, they're everywhere now. But in when they first came out, it was incredible. And it was a different way to live. And so I'm certainly not bashing them or thinking, oh, you shouldn't have a smartphone. But I really need you to know that as with any technology, as with anything that's a plus or wonderful, there's so many negatives and so many ways that it takes away. And it's important to know what those are and to combat them so that you can get the best out of it. You can get the best part to your phone without sacrificing these other things that are so, so important. Okay. So what can you do to stop fubbing? How, what do you do? If you want to stop, you're going to need to make it a priority. This means you need to put mindfulness and self-awareness at the top of your must-do list so that you know when you're fubbing. If you don't know you're doing it, if you don't realize you're fubbing, obviously that's going to be a problem. So you're going to need to remember that you can't control others. I know I hate every time someone reminds me of this. Everyone out there knows I'm a control enthusiast. So if you can't control others and what they're doing, so I'm not talking about you making them stopping fubbing. I'm talking about you stopping. So it's all about you being the role model and acting how you want others to treat you. All right. So that in mind, here are my top seven tips so you can stop fubbing and start connecting. Are you ready? Okay. Drum roll, please. Number one, create a device-free special spaces. Now, so you can designate your car, the kitchen table, your bed, the backyard, or the deck. You know, your nice deck. We like to sit outside and have some tea as device-free zones. You would just designate them. So you can say, okay, when we all sit at the kitchen table, uh, you know, there's no devices. When we go to, when we're in our beds, there's no devices. Uh, the back deck, if you want to come on the back deck and sit, that's fine, but there's no devices. Uh, in the car, there's no devices, no matter what, whatever, wherever you want to designate, these spaces are set aside for face-to-face conversations only. If you want to be involved in these spaces, you have to be ready to chat. (laughs) You have to be ready for some face-to-face time. So just designating a space so that you're not always feeling like the police. Oh, you can't do it here. You can do it here. No, I don't want it today. Today it's okay here. Tomorrow it's not. None of that has to keep changing. Instead, it's just whenever we're in this space, whatever that space is, uh, everybody knows that their phones go away. My second tip to stop fubbing and start connecting is, and this is probably my favorite and definitely one we we have in my family, mealtimes are sacred. That's it. When you have lunch with a friend, coffee break with a colleague, dinner with your family, I don't care what it is, if it's a mealtime of some sort, put don't put a phone on the table. Put the phone away. Don't put it on the table or near the table. Don't even have it in the room. I, I certainly don't have my phone out um, when we're all sitting down for dinner, for example. It's not near me. If you're you know, you want to make mealtimes a time when you are there to listen and communicate. You're sort of opening that up. If you're eating alone, you can still make it a device-free zone. Be with yourself. Look around you. Maybe even introduce yourself to the person at the next table. If you're sitting at the bar having lunch, you know, say hi to somebody. Don't just sit on your phone. I do this um, pretty often. Now, sometimes being a female out in the world, (laughs) uh, things change. I'm older now, so it's not like I get hit on all the time. But 
uh, it still happens miraculously. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so sometimes if I'm not distracted with something, I will have people talk to me that I don't want to talk to me, but that's okay too, because these are things to practice and I'll just, you know, say no thank you or kind of stop the conversation or, you know, remind them that I'm taken or something, you know, to, to make the conversation stop. But I don't always just want to have my, uh, my nose buried in my phone. So, uh, and there are times when I have to do work at lunch or something else, you know, it happens. And then I'm usually just on my computer, not my phone, but either way, I mean, those things happen, but if you can really, even when you're alone, think about that, even having a book instead of the phone, it's just different because you can dive deep in a book without, you know, getting an alert that somebody on Facebook liked your photo or getting a, you know, knowing that there's a comment somewhere, knowing there's a new email, you know, you don't get any of that. You can just sit with a book and be a little more quiet. So it's just another thought. All right. My third tip to stop fubbing, start connecting is to do a phone fast. And again, most of these uh, examples come from the research too. It's not just me coming up with all these great ideas. (laughs) Um, I took these from a lot of places and they were just things I already practiced myself, some of them. So a phone fast, staying off your phone. I think I got this one maybe from Christine Carter. I'm trying to remember. I apologize out there, whoever had the phone fast idea. Um, Well, I'm sure many people had it at once, but Stay off your phone completely for an entire day or maybe a weekend or something like that. It just an entire day. Just put the leave your phone at home, go about your day. Or if you're home, you know, lock it up somewhere. It's incredible. It's an amazing experience. I've definitely done phone fasts. They're pretty amazing. I can only tend to do them on the weekends because I do have so much work that involves my phone during the week. Um However, it's a great experience just to stay off. So you can do it for one day, two days. You can also, if you just feel like, or this is too much at once, you know, you can maybe do uh, a phone fast where you just allocate a fasting interval during the day. So maybe be off your phone, you know, have it locked in a drawer, leave it in your car from let's say 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. And then you can go to lunch. So, you know, you check your phone before you go to work and then leave it in your car and then, or lock it in a desk drawer. And then you do work from nine to noon. And then at your lunch break, get your phone out again, look at it from 12 to one and then put it away again. So, or maybe only check your phone at two preset times per day, no more than 15 minutes at a time. Maybe you just say to yourself, I only check my phone at, you know, 8 a.m. and again at 4 p.m. and that's it. Something like that. Those could be phone fasts, which is another great idea to get you out of the constant phone love, you know, and and start to separate yourself from this device. Okay, idea number four, tip number four, so you can stop fubbing and start connecting. And this is just an overall one to don't replace face-to-face interactions with electronic ones. Okay, so there's a buttload of research out there that says that one of the very best things you can do for both your mental and physical health is to build strong social relationships. I, I say this in other podcasts and my blog, I say it everywhere, and this is real. Uh, and those relationships we have in person are more intimate and connected. We know this. Again, this is from the research. We know that those relationships are more intimate and connected, and you know it too. You know, think about it. You might have a follower on Instagram that you chat with all the time. You know, maybe you're texting or posting or whatever. But if you got sick, is this the person who's bringing over some chicken soup in a People magazine? Is, you know, again, in person is the intimate. In person is where it's at. So confusing lots of contact with actual closenesses and intimacy is a problem. Okay, I'll say that again. Don't confuse lots of contact 
with actual closeness and intimacy. They're not the same thing. Contact and intimacy are not the same thing. Instead of spending all that time chatting, quote unquote, on social media, make a lunch date with a friend. Spend some quality time. We know that any activities that involve other people, whether it's going to a party, sitting down for lunch, playing sports, or attending religious services, all have positive effects on our mental health. In the end, face-to-face social interactions tend to improve your mood and reduce depression. And that's really what we're going for. Really, I, I, I mean, if you just think of your current relationship right now and how much contact you have with that person, which is probably a lot, but then really think about your intimacy level with them. It's very different, right? So that level of contact doesn't equal the same thing. It's just different. There's a different way that we connect uh, when we're really again, really truly being emotionally close. It's just different. So it's not just contact. It's not just time spent. It's going deeper. So don't replace those face face interactions with electronic ones. It's very nice to know everybody on Facebook. That's great. But who have you actually had lunch with? It's very nice to reconnect with people from high school you haven't seen in 30 years, but are you spending time with them? Are you really sitting down with them or at least calling them on the phone and really talking on the phone? Uh, Not just messengering on Facebook, (laughs) not just that kind of stuff, but really catching up. Um, Not that long ago, I had a a childhood friend I hooked up with again from Facebook and we had been talking and realized we lived near each other. We were both, of course, from New York, but we had both moved to California. She's since moved again. But, and I actually, I said, let's get together and have dinner. I took her, you know, we went out for dinner. It was really nice. And we caught up and we spent some time. It was quite lovely. And it's not someone I'm necessarily going to spend, you know, the rest of my life connecting in person with, but it was such a nice thing to reconnect after. Oh my God, probably it'd probably been 40 years since I'd seen her. Maybe not quite that much, but maybe 30, 35 since I'd seen her. It was really neat. Um, so, you know, these are great things to do. You can use Facebook as a launching pad to actually connect, you know, if you're going to do something like that. And I'm aging myself saying Facebook, if you could Snapchat or Instagram, whatever the heck else you do. All right. So we're talking about our top seven tips to stop fubbing and start connecting. And uh, tip number five is hide your phone. (laughs) Got to trick yourself. Keep your phone out of sight during conversations. Don't turn it over. Literally put it away in your pocket, backpack, desk drawer, or bag, anything. Because really, whenever you have the phone around and you know it's around, remember that that pull pull to check it. It, Part of your brain is still focused on it if it knows it's close. So just having it close is a problem. So don't have it close. Really put it away. I like the idea of leaving it in your car somewhere it's not even in the, you know, like you'd have to work hard to go get it. Um, I like that best, but I really want you to think about putting it somewhere that it's truly not accessible right then and there. And while we talk about that, I do want to say something about sleeping with your phones. So uh, don't sleep with your phone. (laughs) Stop. Stop sleeping with your phone. Um, I really want you to think this through differently, and I would like to strongly encourage people to get back to the idea of an alarm clock. Having your phone as your alarm clock is is truly a problem, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of times when that alarm goes off, let's say in the morning, and you go to turn it off, a lot of people check their phones right then. Think it's the first thing you're doing in the morning is consuming information, checking the phone. I mean, when I smoked cigarettes, that's how I smoked. First thing in the morning, that alarm went off and I lit up. (laughs) I mean, 
I don't know, you know, when I was a, a heroin addict, that's the first thing I like to do in the morning was, you know, shoot heroin. I need you to think before, really, that this is like a drug. If, if you had a plate of brownies sitting on your bedside table every morning when you woke up, I think you'd have a hard time not eating a brownie some mornings, you know, or, or a, di- you know, and actually it would be like a different sweet every day. For me, it's sweets. Maybe for you, it's a bowl of potato chips. I don't know, but it would be like having a different yummy th- an unhealthy thing for you there every single day. It's hard not to do it. It's hard not to take it. So if you can actually turn off your phone. Now, another issue people have, I still have a landline, quote unquote, what's, you know, it's a, right, an old school phone at home for this reason, because I do want people to be able to get me if they need to without me having to have my phone on, but only in an emergency, because I turn off my phone at night. I don't like this thing on all night. I do not want to be woken up from it. And again, if it's an emergency, people know to call the house. It is worth it to have another number like this. It really is. And to the very least, though, to turn off the phone at night in some way and not use it as your alarm clock. Because again, you know, you wake up in the night, you can't really sleep, or you go to the bathroom and come back. It's too easy to check it. Let's, let's have it harder to look at. Okay. We're almost at the end here. Here we go. Re- tip number six to stop fubbing and start connecting is d- take a look at how often you're checking your phone. This is a great way to really pay attention. You know, if I have someone who comes in and says they're having trouble with money, I tell them to start writing down every single penny they spend. Every penny. We start budgeting. Where does this money go? Where does that money go? If someone has trouble with food, I say, okay, I'll start writing down what you eat. When you start paying attention to what it is that's a problem, you will realize what's real and what you think is real. You know, this sort of fantasy about it and the truth of it. So to know how often you're really checking is great. Knowing how much time you're really on your device can help you break through any denial you might have. And uh, my favorite for this on your is something called Checky, C-H-E-C-K-Y. And the in the show notes, we'll have a link for it. It's a phone habit tracker uh, you can put on your mobile devices. It's great. You can use that. There's also rescue time. Again, we'll have a link in the show notes. On your, you can have that on your computer. You can see how often you're checking your email, social media, et cetera. These are such a great tool to have to really have an idea of what you're doing. It's, it's so, so important. How many times truly you're checking things. And so you can really get out of your head, this idea that it's not so bad and really see. When people tell me that I'm sure they have a drinking problem and then we start talking and they realize they're having a drink every single day or quite a few drinks every day, they're smoking pot every single night. You know, a lot of times people say, "Eh, I'm not really, I don't know, it's not a problem. But when they start really paying attention, they realize what is a problem. Okay. My last tip, number seven, for uh, stopping fubbing and starting to connect is to shift your perspective. If you're the one being fubbed, try not to take offense or get upset. I know this is hard. You got to remember that the other person is following a literally a biologically driven impulse. So do your best to be compassionate and patient, but definitely, you know, let the other person know how fubbing makes you feel 
and set a boundary that you aren't okay with it when you're interacting. You just set the boundary. Say, when we're talking, when we're doing this, I don't want you to have your phone in your hand. I don't want it anywhere. If it's in your pocket, I guess that's okay, but it needs to be you know, on vibrate or whatever. You can say whatever you need to say. You could say, I don't want it in the room with us. I don't want it in the bedroom. I don't want it wherever. You can do that. I don't allow any electronics, no TV on, nothing like that, like when we're eating. Like I said, to me, those are really kind of sacred times when we're all sitting down to dinner. So there's nothing, there's no, I don't even usually have the radio on. Sometimes I have the radio on, but I don't even like um, anything kind of coming in. I like just that quiet of all of us talking and connecting. I think that's just a really important part of the day. So you can do that and you can draw the boundary, but you have to think about it. What's your standard? What do I say all the time? What's my thing? High standards and low expectations. So I want you to have a high standard around this. What is the standard? What is your deal breaker around this? Because it really is bugging you or affecting you. you got to say something. You have to make that clear. But then I want you to have low expectations. You can't expect the person to be perfect about it, and I need you to be compassionate when they're not. Now, you should, you can, and I hope you do, remind them of your standard when they're screwing up, when they're not you know, paying attention. But I also want you to see it as uh, information, So, uh, for example, I have a couple and the man is, uh, pretty religious and the wife is not, and the man really wants them to go to church more and do this stuff with, you know, um, you know, with seeing the priest and talking and all that stuff. And she doesn't like it. And when he starts talking about religion, she often will let herself be distracted by her phone or other things because she doesn't really want to hear what he has to say. And it took us a while in therapy to work through this when we realized, because he was talking about how she's quote unquote always on her phone. And it finally came out that this was really what was going on because I asked him to start to track, well, what are you talking about when she gets on her phone? You know, what it, she's not always on her phone. So, you know, that always language, it's never true, right? <laughs> Do you like that? Never true. That's, that's language not to use also. It's, it's really not true though. So we started to really track it and he realized that when he brought up certain topics, um, I had another couple that noticed when um, she started to talk about money, he didn't want to talk about it, you know, and he would get distracted and watch the game on TV or change the subject or go on his phone. You'll notice this if you, so if you use it as information, if you think to yourself, huh, when does this person go on the phone? Is it only during certain topics? Is it always in the morning? Is it always at night? Maybe you're, uh, partner, you maybe it's your husband and he's really working hard all day and he's got people at him all day and he gets home and the kids are there and you and everything's happening and he spends some time on his phone or watching sports or whatever. You need to ask yourself, does he just need some quiet time? Does he need some time when he doesn't have to answer to anybody, when he can just go inside himself and just be? And so do I want to create some um, time where I say, okay, for an hour every night, it's all you, no one's going to bug you, no one's going to come at you, but then the electronics have to go off and then I need, you know, we need to interact. Or maybe we need to interact first for the next half hour. I want to talk, I want to connect, whatever. And then it's all you. (laughs) You can do whatever you want. Whatever that is, set your boundary, but shift the perspective within it. Don't have, you know, if you can, don't have that shitty perspective of, oh, you know, I'm so angry at them. I'm so annoyed. I feel so betrayed. I feel so hurt. Try to step back from that again and see it as this biological drive. So really quickly, the, my top seven tips you can start connecting and stop fubbing are create a device-free special space, have mealtimes be sacred, do a phone fast. Number four was don't replace face-to-face interactions with electronic ones. Hide your phone. 
See how often you're checking by using maybe checky or rescue time. And number seven was to shift your perspective. So the next time you're with another human being and you feel tempted to pull out your phone, stop yourself and put it away. And then take the opportunity to look them directly in the eyes and really listen to what they have to say. Start to really notice what you're doing and to start to change that. That's the only place this all starts. You can set up your boundaries. A lot of this stuff is around boundaries. But really, I want you to be the role model moving forward. Woo, that's it. Okay. Thank you so much. We got a lot done today, didn't we? That was a lot around how to be, what fubbing is, how it's really affecting your relationship, and what to do about it. So as always, you can go to the show notes. You can get lots of great resources, uh, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. This is podcast number eight on stopping fubbing and starting to connect. And as always, I really appreciate your time. I know it's precious and that you have a lot of things you can be listening to right now and you're choosing to listen to me. And I just love that. It means a lot. I hope you leave a comment uh, on the website or uh, wherever you're listening to this. Um, Always appreciate a review of the podcast, an honest one, of what you think and what you're getting out of it. And that's it. I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.